0: everyone welcome back once again to the hooked on podcast with me rob mcnichol and my friend and my colleague on the other line it's showbiz paul benson how you doing paul
1: i'm all right mate thank you very much how's things with you
0: yeah jolly well jolly well um we haven't been on air for a couple of weeks um which is just again the old uh, case of uh, you being one place you being busy me being busy um, That would sort of hold up if it, Except for the fact that uh, I saw you for a day and a half last week And we, we never even got around to finishing the podcast what, we, what about that?
1: We did, we saw each other face to face You came around Benson Towers
0: That is indeed, Casa Benson And it was uh, uh, lovely to see you and the family um, Your uh, son, if you think that Paul is showbiz Paul Benson Um, I should strip that title of him immediately and hand it to his (laughs) three-year-old son, Samuel, who is, by the way, a bloody rock star. Uh, You're not even even close to being the coolest member of your family, do you know that?
1: I'd be lucky if I placed third out of three,
0: mate. Yeah, that's that's true. That is true. Um, uh, Samuel, um, three and a half years old, is that right, Paul? Correct. Three and a half years old, uh, has got a uh, championship belt next to his bed because he's a champ. Uh, and uh, after I was playing with him, see, the reason we didn't do a podcast basically is because I was playing trains and stuff with Samuel. <laughs> really, while Paul was doing some work, and uh, Paul's lovely wife Sally was cooking the dinner, I was playing games with, uh, with the boy in the playroom. And uh, I had to tell this story that at one point uh, we'd been playing nicely with trains and various other things, uh, and then suddenly he decided, uh, "Let's do wrestling." <laughs> and I went, uh, "Okay." was like a little bit you know, when it's a kid that you've not met before and you well you're not properly since he's been a little bit more grown up and mum's watching from the kitchen doing the uh doing the cooking and suddenly I'm fighting her son. <laughs> so I was uh, I was on the defensive and I, I sort of let him dominate a little bit and uh I said, Well who are you then? and he went, John Cena as if it was a stupid question. But you later told me he doesn't really know who John Cena is. Is that right? He, uh, you'd be surprised that nobody actually believes
1: this. But as big a wrestling fan as I am, I have never once sat down and tried to educate him about wrestling. The, re- the three wrestlers he knows are John Cena, The Undertaker and The Rock. And he knows each and every one of those from watching the Scooby-Doo cartoons on Cartoon Network
0: oh yeah well he knew the rock he had a figure of the rock we were playing with the rock at one but the rock the rock at one point was involved in an episode of Thomas the Tank Engine but that's, that's another story um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, were, we were quite creative you know um, I think the rock replacing Ringo Starr would be a good move um, but uh, we, were, we were he decided he was John Cena and so I said this is the reason I'm getting to this story Paul knows what the punchline is coming here I'm, I'm largely telling you dear listener is so I said okay you're John Cena who am I? thinking he might say, oh, you're The Rock, or you're Randy Orton, or if he knew another wrestler, you're Brock Lesnar, or whatever. And he said to me, you're called Trevor Danger. <laughs> which is the best thing a three-and-a-half-year-old has ever said. And we've had a chat about this, Paul, haven't we? You yeah. don't know where he's got this from. absolutely no idea. He's just made it up. Do you know anyone called Trevor? Nope, not a soul. <laughs> don't know anybody. But right. I think there might be. I, we were genuinely doing, like, what's this Thomas character, and he was telling me all oh, the Thomas tank engines. I think there is a Trevor, isn't there? From when I was a kid, I seem to remember the Trevor was like a little, oh. a little, little steam truck engine. There, or something, like there's, a little...
1: there's a Trevor, the traction engine, I believe. There's it a
0: traction, is. yeah, like well, a little tractor thing. But I don't
1: so... think you would necessarily know that particularly strongly. Like, most of the Thomas tank engine you watch is the crappy new stuff. Uh, with the CGI and the American accents and there's not a Trevor in that as far as I'm aware there may well be a character called Trevor Danger buried in some cartoon that he watches that I don't that I'm not privy to but to the
0: best of my knowledge I have absolutely no idea shall I google it? Uh, yeah I mean we actually haven't we? We we were chatting about this in the pub so we didn't actually sit down and google what happens if you put in Trevor Danger so go on well, Paul's googling that. I, just, I have to say, you know, whether this is a real thing or not, Samuel managed to come up with a proper indie name. <laughs> How indie is that? Imagine being coming out in front of 600 people in the, you know, a school hall somewhere in Kansas and being called Trevor Danger. It's an outstanding indie name.
1: Well, he's booking so, the territory, mate.
0: Yeah. He's booking. Mean,
1: There's no Trevor Danger, by the way. There is no. You, I've what, com, what, comes, what comes up? Um there is so the first thing that comes up is a YouTube video about Grand Theft Auto 5 called the Trevor Danger Zone and I'm assuming he's never watched and played Grand Theft Auto 5 um, then there's this thing called kidsindanger.org um, about about a, tr- a baby called Trevor Tre- this isn't funny this isn't funny at all Trevor Trevor who was strangled <laughs> I can't go on I can't go on I can't tell that story
0: because it's not remotely funny but I can't stop laughing at the previous one uh, right. no. I've put I've put Trevor Danger into Google while well, you're recovering from your laughter fit I've put Trevor Danger into um into Facebook I was going to Google and the first thing that came up was Facebook so I've clicked through there are several that are just the silhouettes where no one's actually put a, a picture on but there's various other ones that say things like Trevor Danger Barney, Trevor Danger Dahlgren, Trevor Danger... I think people are doing that joke about danger is my middle name.
1: Ah, yes.
0: So I think people called Trevor have put danger between them and their name. Um, just so they're doing that old joke. Other than that, I have Trevor T. Danger brackets vinyl at Discogs. Oh, see. seen that, um, someone, Tre... someone called Trevor T. appears to have done a song called Danger... Uh, other than that, there's a at the Trevor Howitt on tr- Twitter who seems to call himself Trevor Danger. So um
1: oh, well, when when we finally start up that Indirific tag Team, Rob, we've got disc, we've got Showbiz Paul
0: Benson and Trevor Danger. Trevor Danger, but it's like it's the best thing ever. I remember when. Um, do you remember years and years ago? I did a, I did a TV show called The Slam. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, when it was the Slam was on a small channel called Sports Tonight Live. Um, so if you never saw it, it was uh, hosted by Jim Smallman, who's uh uh, one of the main men behind Progress Wrestling in fact we, he started Progress while we were making that show we, we went to the, the first Progress show was about two or three weeks after we started okay. uh, making the slam that was right at the, the start of the uh, the project um, so it was Jim hosted I was a regular guest and then we had other guests that would come up on the uh, on the Skype wall that's um, how I met Ash Rose for the first time and uh, various others I met Jimmy Havoc for the first time through that and uh, Rhea O'Reilly and various others that uh, that, that worked on that show um, but um, the reason I bring it up is because we once did, um, we did make your own. I think it was still FCW then. We did make your own FCW name, where we just wrote down a load of first names and a load of surnames and just drew them out of a, uh, drew them out of a pot. Well, I, we had Brendan Burns on the show, who's a, an Aussie comedian that some of you will know, and uh, Brendan was very confused about the. Um, the nature of it and massively took took the fun out of the uh, the name that he got given and he didn't know it was one of the uh, one of the people that worked in the office <laughs> he, was, he was slagging off this surname and what a stupid surname it was <laughs> and it was someone that worked in the office which was quite funny but I, 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 I can't remember my uh, my name I, I I want to say it was um, I, I was going to say that it was um, something like Colin Delaney but that's a real one isn't it that is an, actual, uh, that an actual wrestler so it was um I, uh, I'm desperate trying to remember what my SCW name was I might be able to see if I can find one of the old episodes somewhere but uh, certainly a, a fun game for you all to play at home to uh, uh, I think the new game should be to take some um, some uh, words such as uh, Danger and others like that and rip them all up and then other, other first names and see if you can beat Trevor Danger <laughs> um, but a, a, anyway um, Trevor Danger of course was, sounds like he would be perfect for, uh, for a TLC match perhaps Um which brings us—that's the worst segue ever—but that brings us to here, uh, the TLC pay-per-view this uh, this weekend, and I, I go into the uh, the nature of the gimmick match itself, the TLC match, because it it didn't occur to me until much later that TLC this was basically not really a TLC pay-per-view, was it? They sort of did a main main match that sort of had some tables, ladders, and chairs in it, but only by virtue of the fact that it was a a hardcore match. And other than that, there was just a load of matches. Now, do you remember how they used to, um, about four weeks from the TLC pay-per-view, you'd have a fight between two people, and they'd both pick up a chair. And then you'd have a feud between two others, and one of them accidentally went through a table. <laughs> and, it was like, and so they managed to make, oh, let's have a chair match, let's have a table match. Yep. And conven- conveniently, they were happening around TLC. It only occurred to me after this week's show that uh, it was just match, 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 match basically a hardcore match with some plunder that was essentially what it was well yeah exactly it wasn't even a TLC match to me you aren't, you can't have a
1: TLC match unless there's something hanging from a chain from the ceiling because well yeah
0: kind of I mean I've always thought that your TLC match is a ladder match anyway simply is yeah you're right it is just a ladder
1: match but to have a TLC match without that sort of part of the gimmick well look frankly I think in all manner of its execution um, from start to finish I would, go, I would go as far as to say this is the laziest pay-per-view I can remember both in terms of concepts and then once they've come up with that concept getting from that point A to you know BCD just utterly just nothing there's so little to it and I think lazy sums it up to me
0: yeah lazy is one one, um, one word snake bit might be another one because um, obviously you, you plan for however long and then um Whatever you may think of Roman Reigns and whatever you may think of Bray Wyatt and particularly the uh, storyline with Finn Balor, um, WWE clearly did not want two of their main men to be put out of action because of uh, whatever the situation. And it's not for us to sit here and start speculating on whether it's meningitis or bumps Mm. or or, uh, whatever it is. That's none of our business. We hope that both guys are okay. Um, What I do want to mention really quickly before we go on to a few matches is that um, I sincerely hope that Roman is fine. And, you know, whatever anyone thinks about his push and stuff, no one, you know, wishes illness or injury upon anyone. But do you remember what we talked about about three weeks ago on the podcast, where I said, apart from the fact that I don't want anyone to be hurt, in some ways, the best thing that could happen to Roman Reigns would be for him to get injured, and for him to go away and freshen up a little bit. You, as well, had been talking about Bray Wyatt... And saying how if you, you take Bray Wyatt <laughs> yeah, off completely right. and have right. him go away for a long time, so actually, listen. I in reality, I hope both guys are fine and are back in the next couple of weeks. And I mean, I actually haven't seen Raw and SmackDown. They may even have returned on Raw. I haven't they, legit haven't read any. They didn't. Okay, well, I'm not surprised because it was only 24 hours after the pay per view. But um, you know, hopefully they're back soon, really, because you don't want them to be uh, ill and, and you know losing work. But Let's take a positive out of it. If, for example, the WWE did what they do sometimes, which is be ultra careful and say, "Okay, it's a little bit like uh, what was Matey called in Apollo 13 that they wouldn't let them go to the moon because he had the, might have the measles." Um, Jack, um, I wouldn't say Jack Swagger there, but that's the uh, that's the uh, that's the guy that Kevin Bacon plays. Anyway, the the the, the one that uh, Lieutenant Dan plays in Apollo 13, and they won't let go to the moon.
1: <laughs> Mate, um, I can't remember. It's been a long, long time since I've seen. That it'll film. come
0: to me, Matt, Mattingly Ken Mattingly. Okay. Not Don Mattingly, who was a baseball player. Um, and they wouldn't let him go to the moon. So maybe they'll say to Roman and to Bray, quarantine, no wrestling for three months, just in case you affect anyone else. Blah, blah blah. And if that's the case, they can sit home, they can you know, have a couple of beers, they can keep themselves in shape, they can let the world go by, they can have Christmas with their family, and then they can come back in the new year and they run up to WrestleMania as fresh acts. It actually could be a massive blessing in disguise
1: well it could but if you were to pick a moment in time to send Roman Reigns out on the shelf could you have possibly picked a worse one than the week after the shield reformed
0: uh, I mean obviously that is the we, we, <laughs> our, dis- our discussion was pre although I suppose you could see the shield reforming coming our discussion was pre shield and so yes if there was ever a way of making Reigns relevant and people actually wanted to see him it was back in that group again and <laughs> again two days beforehand he's uh it's wrenched away. Um we'll we'll come back to that uh, a wee bit, but um in terms of the uh, the replacements just on face value, forget before you even got into the pay per view because realistically I know the network changes complexion these days and that people tend to subscribe long term rather than buying individual shows. But um it felt did you not think that they were they were good replacements. They were good, solid if you're thinking about buying the show Maybe there were even upgrades on what you what you were gonna get before. It felt I felt like the WWE did a really good job of not saying, Oh, it will just be five on two then. Oh, um, you know, um Finn Balor will just get put into a triple threat with two other people that were already wrestling then. It felt like they went, No, let's give them let's give you bang for your buck. Yeah,
1: I think business wise, I think the the replacement that came the replacements that came in were excellently done because the pay-per-view had literally nothing if you if you'd have done what you just said the pay-per-view go, would would go from being a very very poor pay-per-view to being utterly utterly worthless um but the two replacements they brought in obviously created a massive buzz some comment I read online something up to me that said they suddenly went from a pay-per-view that they didn't care about which was harsher than what I thought but you know a fair sentiment to being the most intriguing pay-per-view of the year um I've got my thoughts on the two individuals involved. I don't know if you want to go into that now or whether you want to th- wait.
0: Let's do it when we get into the actual um, matches themselves because um, I don't want to go too, uh, um, you know, through okay. every single match with a fine tooth comb but I think we should talk about those two main matches in particular. Well, Just before we do, I want to say one other thing is that when we're talking about who we're we replacing people with and giving people value for money, don't forget there's a knock-on effect here because AJ Styles was taken out of a tour um to come and wrestle on the pay per view and even then down in South America wherever they were they didn't get AJ Styles but they got Triple H. So even that even that was a decent bit of you know, I thought you no know, WWE didn't say, Oh, you know, he's you know, you got Kurt Hawkins or something. It was Triple H put the gear on and, and went and worked oh, in South America. So from, fair play for that as well.
1: From what I read about and, and it's not uncommon, from what I understand about that tour, is they were paid almost a million dollars by the Chilean promoters to put that put that tour on and apparently with Styles and Owens missing the first night they were having kittens about this uh, about the crew being um, decimated really and then so to take Styles out the second night I think they needed to do something good Christ they might have even been threatened with being sued or whatever um, which would be slightly unfair but I think they needed to put something big on down there because quite often when WWE go abroad, they'll do paid shows, and it's what TNA used to do as well, in that a promoter will pay them a minimum guarantee mm-hmm. to go and put the show. It takes the risk off from WWE, because it's very difficult um, to promote shows outside your home country. You need to know the local market. You need to have boots on the ground. So often these promoters will take on that risk uh, and, the, and the responsibility of doing it, and they'll pay WWE a set amount, and they'll almost just come in as hired hands almost to this show. Um the risk of that obviously is if you do that you and then you sort of welch on the deal, you don't send down the stars that these guys have paid for. Yeah. Then course. um you know, the the promoters are well within their right to say, hang on, what's occurring here, let's let's get some of our money back. Um so to send Triple H down there was a smart move and also probably save them a couple of hundred thousand dollars.
0: Yep, fair dues. Um you were going to say just before I interrupted you you were going, you were about to say something i'll uh, oh, let let you roll
1: just in a nutshell i was going to say with the replacements like i said very smart business um one one i had a big thumbs up two one i had a stinkingly great thumbs down
0: okay cool um, we'll get there in a second one more question before we get on to that um i considered that maybe um just big for the uh the build up of one in particular do you think it might have been a, an idea for just for the um, just for the intrigue factor that they could have done they could have revealed one replacement i.e. told you that Kurt Angle was going to replace Reigns but done the other one as a mystery opponent or vice versa You said that it was going to be Styles against Baller and it was a mystery opponent in the Shield I just I I used to love the old mystery partner gimmick mystery opponent gimmick I used to always look forward to those even though a it was often a letdown. Or, B, it was usually Jimmy Snooker. <laughs> um, but, but it was, you know, I just thought that was... It was kind of ripe for the old mystery partner thing that they could have... You know, it would have been a legit... Imagine the reaction. Because in the old days, you would always say, well, why would you give away... If you were bringing back, say, Ultimate... I that's not a very good example, because Ultimate Warrior did come back at WrestleMania. But um, if you were, you know, bringing in, you know, a Randy Savage or a Mr. Perfect or a big name you might as well tell people ahead of time because then people will tune in rather than having people not know about it, not buy the pay-per-view and then get this big moment. But kind of, I kind of feel now that people have got the network, I don't feel that there would have been a huge amount of movement. People have either got the network or they haven't. And it's like, I feel like you can give people a little bit more on those shows that you don't have to build to. And I could just have seen them doing, you know, the Shield will have a third member tune in to find out who it is and then the music hits and it's Kurt. You know, I thought that would have been quite a cool moment I was thinking about a moment in time and the other side of things if it wasn't Kurt as the mystery partner if it was Styles as the mystery opponent for Balor the the moment if Balor was in the ring and then the moment AJ's music hit you'd have gone whoa and it also would have I think even though people only had two days I think there was a little bit of people going this is going to be the greatest match we've ever seen blah 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 and actually do you know what we'll come to the match in a minute but they had a damn good little match there. But I still saw people going, no, I was a bit disappointed by that. But I think in, in the space of forty eight hours they had decided that unless this was gonna be Okada versus um um Kenny Omega, you know, and some more, then it wasn't gonna be good enough and actually like I said we'll talk about the match in just a mm. second but do you think it would have been cool if at least one of them would have been a bit of a mystery
1: I think it, it never crossed my mind actually I think it would have been cool to do the mystery opponent thing with AJ Styles um, with the uh, with the shield thing now well let me first put it it's interesting you mentioned Mr Perfect and Ultimate Warrior because what this, is, this situation is reminding me the most of is going back to Survivor Series 92 so for anyone's benefit there that was when it was supposed it was supposed to be Razor and uh, Razor Ramon and Ric Flair against the Ultimate Maniacs Randy Savage and uh, the Ultimate Warrior but literally about 10 days before the pay-per-view the Ultimate Warrior got fired I think it was a a drug problem at the time and they replaced him with Mr. Perfect Um, and that was a big shock value replacement partner when what could have happened is the pay-per-view goes down in smoke because the big gimmick um of the team was no longer happening but they pulled the partner out that was if anything even a bit more intriguing and that's what um that's exactly what this reminded me of um i i think what they were going for with the shield uh clearly from reforming this is is presenting the shield as a package as a whole you know music gear everything so if they'd have gone in and um if they'd have gone in and had Kurt Angle as you say come out as the third mystery part mystery partner with his music and everything he wouldn't have been part of the shield I yeah, think dude. it was important for them to bring those guys down as a package and to do that you have to announce it ahead of time so like love I think and it created such a massive buzz ahead of time and you can't discount that um that importance it was, it was a big time moment and if you, uh, if you take that away then I don't think it would have been as many eyeballs on the pay-per-view which would have created less of a residual interest which to be honest the pay-per-view wasn't good so it wouldn't have been it's not made a big difference but if it had have been good having more eyeballs on it would have been very important going forward
0: indeed um, The uh, let's do the match itself um, since we're on, we're on it because um, I want to end on uh, we often say it's wrestling enjoy it and I spent the last podcast moaning like a bitch so we're going to try and be a bit more upbeat this time um, so let's start with I think we probably both agree uh, on a downer um, main event what did you think um, ok
1: it was for want of a better word it was atrocious as a wrestling match but I can't say I wasn't entertained if I'm honest Um although I'm I'm a bit it's a bit of a bit of a roller coaster for me this one now I'm the biggest Kurt Angle fan in the world Um, we've talked about this both on air and off air he's my favourite of all time I think everything he's ever done has been fantastic and I really don't ever want to see him wrestle again I didn't want to see him wrestle again before and I certainly don't want to see him wrestle again anymore he's just he's got nothing he's not quite with it um you know he's 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 comfortably retired you look into his eyes and it's not quite i don't feel like he's quite playing in the same park as the rest of us you come you stood him next to seth and dean and it just didn't look right at all um i i was it was really sad to see actually um and i i'd like to i'd like to think that I don't think we will I think now he's come back once I think we'll, he'll definitely be back for another one with the gear on and everything else but I would really love it if we didn't see him again um, and also I was I, I, don't know wh- I don't know what the consensus was amongst people but I was seriously looking forward to the Shield being together again again Shield are one of my favourite acts of all time and I was loving the thought of them three together one more time um, so even with Kurt Angler's replacement yeah it was newsworthy and yes it was an exciting replacement but to me Significant downgrade from see, seeing the Shield together again.
0: Yeah, fair dues. Um, in terms of Kurt and his, um, you know, his likelihood of coming back, I thought what it showed me was that I thought in patches he looked like Kurt Angle. You know, he did a couple of belly to bellies that looked really crisp, and you know, his um, who did he put through the the table? Was it Cesaro that he put through the table with? I think the it
1: was, out? yeah.
0: It looked it looked really smart. Yes, that, what it, it was really nicely done, yeah. and it just made me think that if we're going to have another Kurt match, I feel like that's who the kind of person it ought to be against. He'd be perfect. It ought to be Kurt Cesaro, or it ought to be that sort of. I looked at Kurt and thought two things. One, you're not mega star Kurt Angle anymore. You can't do to me. You can't do Kurt versus a top top level talent because I just don't think he'd be good enough anymore and that's that's a horrible thing to say about one of the greatest ever but you're not going to get listen the rock absolutely terrific to, you know top 5 all time you know megastar but not top 20 not even top 50 wrestler no you but... know good good wrestler credible but not great it was his charisma and his personality and his promos and everything else that got him to the top and credible wrestling got him by austin similar sort of thing austin was a better wrestler than the rock but similar sort of thing. They weren't great wrestlers, they were great personalities and the wrestling was fine. Kurt's the other way round. Great personality, but the wrestling was the most important thing. And if he can't do that anymore, he can't quite live up to what he used to be. So The Rock can probably come back in another 10 years and could still do that match with Cena and be the same Rock because he wouldn't need to get by the, the way that he used to, whereas Kurt does. Um, and so I, I look and think, well, if you're going to do a Kurt match at, say, Mania, you need to do it and accept uh, that it's a mid-card match. Um, and put him in a mid-card match and then to just have some fun with it. Maybe you do something for old times' sake, um, you know, of, of someone that he can, that he has worked with before that he can get him through. Um, but generally speaking, I think it ought to be in the middle. And the second point to that is I think it ought to probably be with someone that you know can can do the work for him and he's still in really, really great shape. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, that it could be an AJ Styles, it could be a Cesaro, it could be a Finn Balor. Um, you know, someone that would, Rel- relatively, be raised up by wrestling aid, by wrestling Kurt, um, not feel it's too much of a step down, but I also feel it's, it feels like someone that needs to do his work for him, and you know I, I thought there just for a second you know maybe like Kurt versus Jericho like an old time sake thing, and um, but although Jericho's still in phenomenal shape for his age, I don't think Jericho is quite in the position where he used to be to do you know Kurt's cardio for him, although Jericho is in terrific shape. Um, I could just see. I could see Angle Cesaro has been a really nice little match, for example. Um, you know, maybe maybe actually what they're going to try and do is do Angle Jason Jordan. Maybe that's what they're going to eventually try and get to. But um, we'll come to him in a second as well. But uh, I can. I, I I just looked at it and thought the, the thought of maybe like Kurt versus Triple H or or something like that. I think to me evaporated while I was watching that match. I don't want to see that.
1: Yeah, I I think you, you're absolutely right. It's. Um i can't see any point in doing a match that we've seen 15 years ago and seen in a significantly better form you know what can jericho angle do now or jericho uh, sorry angle triple h do that they didn't do 10 times better when they were both in their prime not interesting that at all like you're, you're dead right cesaro be a great match styles would be a great match something we've never seen before at least on the big stage um yeah, you could go through the roster and probably look at a couple more. Angle Rollins um would be another good one. Um Angle against Kevin Owens, I feel. You know, Kevin Owens could really protect him and real sort of do a sort of a nasty bastard um heel going against Kurt Angle. There's there's a few things you can do, but yeah, I don't I wouldn't mind that. I don't want to see him do something he's already done. If he's ha- if he has to do something at all, um, I think Cesaro Cesaro would be my top choice as well. But I don't think it'll happen. Um, no, you could also do maybe a tag team match to protect him. In fact, maybe you could do a series. Maybe your first match is Angle and Jason Jordan against The Bar, um, and then like you say, eventually he goes to Angle Jordan, which I think you're absolutely right. But frankly, I just I, I just wish to leave him alone. Just just let let him retire. There's, have you seen his eyes there's he's just just, he's not quite there and it worries me man it really worries me and I don't understand how they can let um, Kurt wrestle when Daniel Bryan can't get near a wrestling ring there must be something more to it because I really don't get it
0: that is interesting it really is interesting um you know, if they cleared Daniel Bryan... Hello. <laughs> man alive. There's Hello. Your, there There's your match, everyone. There's, yep. the greatest, there's the greatest dream match you've been thinking of for the last 15 years. Mm. Um, but actually, that reminds me. I said this on the podcast um, a couple of months ago. Um, you know, Angle Shane. I, I don't want to see it. And it falls into that bracket that we just said about, you know, you want someone to carry Kurt. Well, it's not, you know, 47-year-old Shane O'Mac, but... Oh, I could see them doing it. And if, you know, if they decide that Kurt's in any sort of position that you can do it, you know, that's a that's a match that just works because it's Raw, v SmackDown, it's the history of Kurt and Shane at the King of the Ring in 2001. You know, it's got everything going for it that match. If apart from the fact that it would be a cluster, um, but you know that that I think is probably the you know in terms of what you don't want to see or what I wouldn't want to see. But I could see from a booking perspective. Look, could look nailed on but from a safety perspective you'd sort of go well, I don't really want to see those two trying to kill one another or trying to kill themselves more to the point because I think both Shane and Kurt's big problem is doing things where you just go you know, I've seen Kurt Angle doing moonsaults off of cages in TNA and you think there's about 4,000 people watching Kurt in the in the arena and on to pay, pay-per-view stop trying to kill yourself and it's like you know, there legitimately would have been more people just in the building on uh, on Sunday night that would have been on that would have been watching most TNA pay per views that Kurt was working in, and it's, it's just the things that that man would do—moon assaults off of high places and you go, yeah. "You don't need to, you're Kurt Angle." I suppose at the least, I suppose Shane at least has an expectation level that if he doesn't jump off something high, he's not got much more. But you know, you always wanted to go, Kurt. You just. Do you realise how good you are and how loved you are, and you don't need to do this stupid shit? But anyway, we're we're digressing a wee bit. Um, but yeah, the match itself. Let's go back to it. Um, I didn't like it. I thought it was too. I thought it was just stupidly long. I I thought it was quite fun, you know, to begin with. I liked how the Shield kept getting the better of the um the rest of them. It was they were trying to play off the story of, you know, their working together was stronger than the other five, even though they had Strowman and whatever. But I hated. they obviously went oh we want a long match and Kurt can't work half an hour so let's have him injured and go away but don't we keep on doing that hasn't that happened lots and lots of times in the last little while to Roman Reigns and to Brock Lesnar (laughs) and to Sasha Banks and it's like we keep on doing that and they always come back yeah it's not like they get taken out of the match and that's it I mean there was a ladder match who got taken out of the ladder match that time was it Edge when Jeff, Jeff did that bomb onto him and he threw the ladder and they just they just took Edge out of the match it was like that eliminated him it's mm-hmm. like the fed He's,
1: don't remember that have... do
0: you know, you, you know the, the the gimmick where Edge was flat on the ladder outside so the ladder was between the ring and the barricade
1: oh yes it was a and was Ge- it a money in the bank match
0: was it yeah I think, yeah, I think so and yeah, Jeff did the sort of bomb bombs away thing and went straight through Edge and it took him out and the ladder snapped the gimmick the S, ladder and it snapped yeah I remember I, I've heard Edge say before that's legit the most pain he ever felt but they took him out of the match. He didn't come back, you know, 20 minutes later. You know, literally, how was it... When when did they do that gimmick with Brock? Was it SummerSlam? Uh, yeah, and it's it's like, Brock,
1: it was Brock at SummerSlam. The worst one was bloody Roman Reigns doing it during a Royal Rumble match. Dur- dur-
0: during the Rumble. It's oh, like, man! So we've seen this so many times over the last couple of years. So, in isolation to do it with Kurt wasn't the worst thing ever, but we've seen it so many other times. I think it would have been better to have Kurt be... Brilliant for a little while, and then just have him taken out, you know, and just.
1: I'm, I'm very sad though, as well on that on that match that they've um, they've murdered Braun Strowman, because <laughs> because you know obviously he was crushed by a garbage truck, so there's not really any coming back from that, is there?
0: No, well as I once heard, you know, if you listen to the uh, you know the great Bruce Pritchard podcast, something to wrestle with, and hear him talk about WrestleMania 15. Uh, was it 15? Yes, 15. Um, the curiousest of curious WrestleManias, hmm. where d- WWE could not have been hotter than uh, in 1999, and it's a terrible WrestleMania. Yeah, um, and uh, they killed the Boss Man. Yep, they had a terrible Hell in a Sound match, and then they killed him, hung him, uh, hanged him from his neck. Uh, clearly, snapped his neck, and uh, he was there for so long, so he would have his neck would have broken. And he would have suffocated, so clearly he died. Oh no wait, he worked the following night. <laughs> um and uh Bruce tells you all how much he uh despised that angle. So yeah, so I'm sure Brock was back on Monday having been there, uh, put into that. I, I really they're the things that I dislike the most interesting when they go so, so far and you go, Well he'll have died then. You know, they've you know especially with someone like Brock, Braun that they keep doing the you know, the, we've crashed a car and oh look oh, here he goes again. He's he's road roadrunner, isn't he? He just keeps on the... Um, surviving through all these things but no, there was just too many you know I think it was blatantly obvious that Kane and him were going to have something and um, there was just too long where five blokes were beating up two and it was just just pin him stop just doing moves and standing around and kicking him pin him and it took forever and then there would be a comeback two on five and then and we were all sitting there going well we know Kurt's going to come back and it was just anyway I just thought it was interminable Um, there were some fun bits in it and you know, ultimately, you know they'll get an excuse for the fact that they'll say, "Well, Roman wasn't meant to be in it." But I, I, I sort of think that what would they have done differently had Roman actually been there? Yeah, I don't think he would have taken, you know, gone to the back like Kurt did. But realistically, I think the match would have been built probably basically the same. So I don't think we saw that different a match to be honest.
1: No, no, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I just think it, the match to me was dead on arrival when it wasn't the Shield and the booking yeah it was it was it wasn't really even a match was it it was more of a um, what's the word i'm looking for it was more of a story really like a almost like a scene out of a movie um and there's a lot of bells and whistles as the old saying goes and yeah just it, it it was it was an intriguing thing but not something i'm interested in seeing ever again
0: No, me neither. here's a question for you um the second to last match of the night. Uh, started uh just before uh three o'clock British time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just just under two hours into the pay per view. Uh including the um the pre show. Who was the heaviest wrestler that wrestled before the second to last match went on?
1: The heaviest wrestler that wrestled before the second to last match. Um God was it I don't know was it this is a trick question was it AJ Styles
0: it was AJ Styles billed at wow. 218 pounds what Um, that was the heaviest wrestler that wrestled at that point you had Sasha and Alicia women Masuka yeah. and Emma women Cedric and Rich Swan versus Gallagher and Kendrick under 205 Alexa versus Mickey women Enzo versus Kalisto under 205 the first five matches of the night when women, women cruiserweight, women cruiserweight, and then you had Finn versus AJ. Wow. So not until Jason Jordan and Elias did you have anyone resembling what would be called a heavyweight.
1: Wow, that's in that's amazing. That has well, we don't even need to look it up. That will be the lowest cumulative weight of the first five matches of any pay per view ever, surely.
0: You would think so, wouldn't you? So two, four, eight, ten, the first twelve wrestlers you know, would have had an average weight of somewhere in about hundred and fifty mark. jeez So probably even lower than that because the women would weigh so much little less. So um yeah, there you go. Just a just a strange little quirk. Um just I thought nothing I'm not making a comment. I'm not saying Hooray, pushing little guys or boo, little guys were terrible. I'm, no, I'm just, making, just a very making no real point. judgment. It's just a it's a very strange thing that will uh, that will likely never happen again. Um I want to finish off our discussion uh, with Finn and AJ, so before we get on to that any uh, observations from the rest of the card?
1: N- None whatsoever. Completely and utterly forgettable.
0: Fair enough. Um, uh, some have suggested that the uh, the Asuka-Emma match went too long, that Asuka could have been a bit more dominant. Ah,
1: what do they want? You know, they were damned if they did, damned if they didn't. Do you, have a, do you have a long competitive match? Do you have a squash? Oh, that was fine. You know, Asuka wasn't presented, if people remember, she wasn't presented as dominating ass-kicking machine in NXT. She was presented as a champion, and before a champion, a competitor, who always had enough to beat any given opponent. She just need, didn't need to be going and squashing people. It was absolutely fine.
0: I love my comparisons to other sports. You're not going to be expecting this. Um, there's a horse called Yanworth that was favoured <laughs> for the cha- cha- champion hurdle last year. Didn't run very well in the champion hurdle, um, but it's going over fences this year, so the big fences rather than the little hurdles. Right. Ran for the ran for the first time as a what they call a novice chaser on Thursday at Exeter. Uh, and it won by a couple of lengths, wasn't very impressive and the whole of the um, the internet was like, ah, oh, one to five shot, that wasn't very impressive, didn't do it, but that's what Yanworth does it doesn't win by much, it sort of has matches it has races, where it looks like it might be in trouble, and then just does enough, it never steams away, it looks impressive like a Frankel it always just edges it out I think you can tell a story with that, I think you can tell a story that Asuka, you know is that sort of wrestler, she's not Goldberg she's not going to come in and annihilate people, but However, you know, she'll pay respect to the opposition, but eventually she'll find them out. She'll be tougher than them. And once you hit the Asuka lock, you're not going to get out of it. Do you know what I thought was fun? Um, Was that uh, she used the ankle lock. At no point did they mention Kurt Angle. (laughs) (laughs) So the night that Kurt Angle returns for the first time in, what was it, 11 years, Asuka is doing an ankle lock. I'm sitting there going, don't do an ankle lock, love. You've got Kurt on the show later on. Don't do that. And then actually the Asuka lock is a chicken wing, which, if you recall, in Kurt's first year or so in the uh, in the company, he used because there was a very very short period of time where he was being coached by Bob Backlund. Do you remember that? I do indeed. Yes. Very short amount of time. Kurt used the chicken wing because uh, Bob Backlund taught him the chicken wing. So again, little uh, strange bits of trivia. Um, but uh, now one other thing I wanted to say from the uh, the opening uh, the opening section of uh, of matches, in fact, it's not even about a match, is that. I might be uh, in a minority here, but I got a real kick out of what they did with Elias and Jason Jordan. Okay. I thought particularly the first bit where he was trying to sing the song and they were giving him some stick. I thought it was some proper Vicky Guerrero style. He was trying to get a sentence out and he couldn't because they were making noise. I really like Elias. To begin with, I was really struggling with him and I really like him. I th- I think it's really fun how... Um, sometimes he looks like he's on the edge of cracking up laughing but he holds it together but I like his voice I like he's just he's good enough of a singer to make it credible that he can sing a bit but he's not good enough that it makes him credible that he's really good do you know what I mean by that I know exactly what you mean actually he's not he's not Gillian Hall which was you know stupidly screechy and terrible but he's not that good so I think it's quite a good little gimmick
1: I I'm with you there actually I I like Elias I'd like to like him more, if that makes sense. He hasn't really given me a huge reason to to really get behind him.
0: Well, no, no, I should point out you're not supposed to like him, you're
1: supposed to dislike him. Uh, Oh, sorry, no, I mean, as a performer, you know. He hasn't given me enough reason to find him um, impressive, let's put it that way. But I really think he's got it in him. um, And it might not be this exact gimmick, it might need a tweak and it might need changing, but there's, there's something there, isn't
0: there? Oh, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about his work yet. I think he. You know, I think he needs to become a better wrestler. Possibly, but to but, be honest, it, it, that's the easy
1: bit to teach, isn't it?
0: Well, well, you say oh, that, but well, it, you know what? It I depends mean. what. It depends what level they want to get someone to. Because I, I always think that. You know, there are some people you look at and think, well, you know, Kofi Kingston. You know, when he first came in, you know, was a happy, smiley baby face for a couple of years, and then they did the thing with Randy Orton, and everyone went, oh, we could make a megastar out of Kofi. And they never did, but do you know what? I bet Kofi is bloody happy with his lot. He spent ten years as a baby face. He a little, I suppose, the new day were a heel for a little bit, but not very, not very much. He spent ten years as a smiley, jumpy baby face. He's probably been paid handsomely. He's always going to get bookings. He's always been happy in the mid card. He travels the world as a, as a wrestler. I bet Kofi Kingston is enormously happy with his life. And so should he be. And if you have, a, if you are an aspiring professional wrestler, and you have a career like Kofi Kingston, I think you've done really, really, really well. Agreed. Not everybody, you know. And then sometimes you so you'll get someone like a Ziggler, and you'll sort of feel more sorry for Ziggler that he's never really got to the top because he's threatened to a couple of times and been world champ but not been pushed. And actually, Ziggler's probably had more pushes in his career than than Kingston. And yet somehow you'll feel happier for Kofi than you will for Dolph. And it's a it's a strange sort of world of expectations, but, you know, if the most Elias can, you know, hope for is to just be a mid-carder for five or six years and create a good, get a good paycheck and then go back to the indies and do some autograph sessions and then retire at 35, I don't know how old he is now, but um, that's a good little career, that. Not everyone is destined to be a world champ, and I think he's a good enough performer that suggests to me that he could do this for a couple of years and then go away and come back and do something else and... And still be okay and i liked i genuinely liked i just thought it was very funny that he was sat there and suddenly there was he got hit by a piece of celery this just I, I the absurdist in me the monty python fan in me <laughs> just just liked the complete absurdity of there was suddenly a piece of celery on his head and then another bit and he and he sold it with complete disbelief as if to go this is it was a better bit of selling than when the ultimate warrior had all that tar coming down his head because he'd been cursed by Papa Shango and it was like I'm getting rain celery on me this is ridiculous and then when it went to Jordan Jordan just had a stupid look on his face a a shopping trolley and he was just bunging the groceries and then just sort of smiled waved (laughs) and left and I went I really like that <laughs> it was hilarious and it's like, I can see a lot of very serious wrestling fans going this is ridiculous I'd much rather see a proper cruiserweight match where they did holds and stuff and I'm thinking I thought it was very very funny I thought that maybe they went to the well once too often when they did it the second time and it was the same thing But and obviously it ended up being a match but I was pretty much okay with it it didn't bother me
1: Um, it. I didn't have I thought it was all fine but it certainly didn't it, it, it just wasn't worthy a comment to me. Nothing really was. I'm sorry I'm so down on this this week, everyone. But it just the whole thing has left me completely cold and disillusioned, unfortunately.
0: Okay, well let's pick it up. Let's, let's do it. it. Let's, let's do it. Let's let's do one more match. Let's do the uh, the other match that we haven't really talked about so far. Go on. Uh, then we will take a, just to uh, throw ahead in the show. Then we will take a, a break from our wrestling chat and we'll have a little bit of uh, uh, talk about what we we're what we we're up to for Survivor Series. Um, as we've been talking about on uh, recent shows Paul will just update you on where we are with that uh, and then we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the, uh, the sheep quiz, so if you've heard us talk on the podcast the last couple of episodes about the sheep quiz uh, well we finished our first sheep quiz and then done our results, um, it was a very interesting set of results and we're going to have a little chat about some of the uh, the topics of the questions themselves and tell you how you can get involved in the, uh, the next edition of it which will be coming up very soon uh, but before we do uh, before we go through all those things uh, Bray Wyatt could not be uh, available or let's say Sister Abigail could not be uh, on hand um, and instead we had the demon Finn Balor versus AJ Styles and that's where I'm starting it wasn't Finn versus AJ it was the demon versus AJ. What do you think?
1: Um, did, it, did it make that much difference in a match?
0: Well, the demon is where Finn goes isn't it? You get Finn for a bit, and then the demon. Yeah. You know, is when he has to go to that place. Was it a bit strange that we had Demon versus AJ, and rather than Finn versus AJ?
1: I think you may be right on that. I think it was just again.
0: I I'm not being right or wrong. I am asking a hypothetical maybe
1: question. Maybe in WWE's perspective, and they may have, and they may well have a point. Maybe they think that people see the demon as more of an attraction than Finn Balor. And therefore, they wanted to pull out all the stops to to get this one over as much as possible. Whereas, I would actually agree with that. In 99 cases out of 100, I think Finn Balor's demon is a big selling point for him. But, when you put him in a match against AJ Styles with all the Bullet Club history and significance, you probably just want Finn Balor in there, the rock and roller, wouldn't you say?
0: Um, I liked their explanation. I wasn't even thinking about it. When they first said it's AJ, I was just assuming they were going to do Finn versus AJ. And it wasn't until I was watching the show and they were talking about the demon a lot. And I thought, oh, they're going to do the demon, you know. They're actually going to do the full entrance, the full demon. And they did. Um, But I thought their explanation was a very good one. That rather than saying, um, you know, just letting it go like WWE do a lot, they said Finn has built himself into a frenzy to fight Bray. And he's gone to that place where he needs to be the demon. And so it's such late notice it comes to the pay-per-view, he's had to stay in the demon character. And I quite like that. I think that's quite a good explanation. I think it's better than they would normally do. So I was sort of all right with them doing it. And what I also liked was that if you're doing that match and you're bringing in AJ as the guest, he's the guest on Raw, yeah, if we if we accept that Raw and SmackDown are totally separate brands, I know we're about to do a um, a crossover pay per view. I know everyone knows it's the same company, etc. etc. But if you do accept that they're totally different brands, then it doesn't make any sense for the SmackDown guy to come on to Raw and win and go away again. Just the same as if you know TNA brought in one uh, someone from Ring of Honor one day, or if New Japan brought someone in from Pro Wrestling Noah one day. If you bring them in, or indeed a celebrity coming in, if you bring them in and then they win and go away again, that's not doing a lot for your guy, is it? You're always going to put your guy over, you would think, unless there's a way of getting that person back again. Now, I'm saying that it made sense for Balor to win. But if Finn Balor beats AJ Styles, are you saying that Finn Balor is better than AJ Styles? By having the Demon win, and here's the other thing, they actually killed, to me, the suspense of who was going to win the match in the build-up, but I understood why. Was that Michael Cole, as they were doing the entrances, said, The demon has never lost. He actually said something along the lines of Finn Balor has, but the demon is undefeated. And they sort of did this split personality as if to say that whenever Finn goes to the demon, he wins. And you know what? There's a little Undertaker-esque thing that they can do there. A little bit like when they were doing Charlotte doesn't lose on pay-per-view. That they can do an A, Finn never loses when he's the demon. And actually, it works really, really nicely. Because actually, every now and again, you'll need to beat Finn. Because A, he's not the top star in the company. B, he's small enough that it's not believable that he would keep on beating, say, you know, Braun Strowman and and Brock Lesnar and and Roman Reigns. He's going to have to lose to some of those people sometimes. But I quite like the idea that it won't hurt Finn to lose too much. Because when he does lose, he can then go to the Demon and win. And then lastly, when someone beats the Demon, that's quite a big deal. This is how good this up-and-coming kid Drew McIntyre is, Adam Cole is, or whoever, because he beat the demon, who's been undefeated for four years. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can do that. And so I, I quite like all that. I, I, there's a There's a certain amount of, you know, whether it's accident or design, there's a certain amount of substance to the demon that I quite like that I think is money. And so... I thought it worked out I thought the match itself we'll talk about that in a second I'll hand over to you to to do a bit more on that but I thought the match itself was done really really nicely Um, and I thought I I basically can't fault it is what I'm about to say and I'll let you have the, the main say on it but I can't really fault it including I thought it was a lovely touch that the Demon beat AJ Styles and not Finn
1: okay yeah hey look I'm not going to argue anything you said um, I think it was all very valid points and I think it was a really good match I think they did the best um, the best they could for the time that they had in terms of preparation and the build that was allowed to be put into it and let's remember right what a, hats off to AJ Styles the two days before he was in Chile missing a match because he'd got a stomach virus and we know what these guys are like in terms of dedication to their work he, he probably didn't, didn't just have an upset tummy if he had to miss a match because of it he was probably crippled over in pain because, uh, because of a stomach bug and he missed a the match then he gets on a plane he flies 14 hours to Minnesota and he wrestles a damn good match um, on pay-per-view you, you could tell you, if, you, if you did you watch Raw Talk afterwards Rob? No, he was a guest on the on the show with Pete Rosenborg and René Young, and man, the guy looked. Pete a-
0: Rose, that no, that's Pete Rose. Oh, sorry, not no, not that Pete Rose. Rosenborg, right, yeah. um, he looked Pete Rosenborg. It sounds like he's it's like he's got a ventriloquist act. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a little vent version of the uh, the San Diego chicken. There, there you, you go. go. Um,
1: he looked beyond exhausted I could, he could barely keep his eyes open could barely string a sentence together this guy was running on fumes and he still managed to pull out a really good match so hats off to the guy what a trooper
0: indeed absolutely um, I just want to say that I thought that it was it was perfect it's not the greatest match of all time it's not the greatest match of the year but it was not supposed to be it was the fifth match on a B-show. It's not meant to be WrestleMania. It's not meant to be a main event. It's not a title match. I thought it was a lovely part one. I don't think they wanted to go to this match as soon as they did. Um, I'm sure they're going to come back to it. But this is the kind of match that you can go to again and again and again and again. You know, there's certain matches that you just think it doesn't matter that they wrestle every now and again. To be fair, AJ fits into that sort of category. How many times did you see AJ versus Christopher Daniels? Yep. And until they or AJ versus Samoa Joe, and until they did that bloody stupid I Quit match. Remember the I Quit match where Daniels was I putting do. a screw, screwdriver in his face, which is one of my least favorite matches of all time. Because if you're going to do that in an I Quit match, well, you might as well go ding ding, pull a gun, and go quit or I'll kill you. Yeah. Um, there you go. End of that match. Um, so it just exposes the business. But generally speaking, there are certain matches that you can just go back to. Oh shit, we need a match. Let's do this. Do you know what AJ versus John Cena? Over the last couple of years, you just think like, okay, I've seen it plenty, but I don't mind seeing it again because it'll be Ace. Um, you know, there are certain matches that you can always go back to and, and do that with, and this might well be another one of those. And I feel like in four or five years' time, we may talk about AJ and Finn the same way we've talked about, um, you know, John Cena and Edge, or you know, those sort of matches that have you know, been done again and again and again, and they're nemesis, but. It makes sense, and you don't mind seeing the matches ultimately over and over, like, like Edge and Christian and the Hardys, or, or whatever. You know, you know what I mean, don't you? There's those, yeah. or, or the, the Rock and Triple H is probably the, the best example. The Rock and Triple example. H, yeah,
1: exactly. You know, just
0: where you can just keep going to that if you need to. Um, you know, Brett and Steve Austin for a little while. Um, I like the idea that they can do that, and I think this was a, very much a chapter one. They felt each other out. Um, the the demon got the win. AJ was okay about it. AJ had the excuse. They talked about the fact that he'd flown. You know they they made a point of that. This wasn't you know WWE world when someone just appeared out of nowhere. Um, You you have these WWE things sometimes where two people fall out on Raw and then the following week you know one needs to confront the other one and it's like you've had a week, mate. You can just call him. Um, You know this weird WWE world, but they didn't. They explained that he's travelled and he's come all the way from Chile and it's been a, a you know exhaustive flight. So the fact that he lost, he had an out. I liked all of that and I just thought it was the really and. Best of all, they didn't kick out of each other's finisher eight times. You know, you can do that when you're in the main event of WrestleMania 35. Yes. Not now. Yeah. And you know, they each you know went for a big move and they didn't quite hit it. And you know, Balor survived the Calf Killer and then they each did their version of the Pele and then eventually he got the stomp and he won. And yep. I just thought it was a really, really nice little match that was, you know, miles better than anything you'll see on the last five or the next five pay-per-views but still you know within itself and you think that they've got so many places that they can go I loved it I just thought it was I loved it in context if that had been the semi-main event of Wrestlemania I would have gone oh, that was a bit of a letdown but with 48 hours notice of where it was supposed to be I thought I just thought that is exactly what I would have booked I was very I was very impressed
1: cool well like I say don't disagree with it I just I'm just not digging it quite as much as you were don't say the word dig it
0: oh yeah no 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 no. not even no no I'm not even thinking of him I'm thinking because I wanted to end about I wanted to end the pay-per-view on an upbeat but you've just said dig it and I think can you dig it sucker (laughs) was that Booker T's worst ever performance yes he was all over the place he was absolutely well I thought that Cole and Graves were legitimately getting angry with him I think you could be right on that, because he was so all over the place. There were there was about an hour where he was just sort of full on heel, and it was like, "What are you doing?" And it was almost like Graves had to compensate by going the other way. Then Cole joined in, because Cole then started going, "I like Elias." And it's like, "What are you doing? Why is Graves now the, the 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 total sense?" You know, Graves is amazing. By the way, you know we've talked about it before. He is so good. He's the best colour guy that I can think of in years and years and years. He is exceptionally good, but I would just—I just like to see Cole and Graves. I don't see why we have to have three guys.
1: No, I don't understand that. I think that Cole either. and
0: Graves would be really, because Michael Cole is a very, very good commentator. When he is allowed to just be sensible, you know, straight up call a match, Michael Cole is brilliant. The only reason people think he's terrible is because they compare him to Jr. But because they've had Cole do so many stupid bits of shit, where he's tried to be cool, or he's tried to be a heel, or he's tried to be whatever, and it doesn't work. But if he just straight up calls a match, he's excellent. And with someone like Graves with him, who is clever enough, you know, like, I'll tell you who was an underrated commentator, was Hennig. When Mr. Perfect was a commentator, he was the heel, but he would praise a babyface when they were really good. Like, he 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 would often be very praiseful of Brett, for example. Because you got the idea that Hennig was a heel at heart, but respected the wrestler. So when someone... And, and and Bobby Heenan could do it as well. There were times where Bobby Heenan would go... You know, he would hate Hogan, but he'd go, oh, I've got to admit that was incredible. Or whatever. And it was... When the heel praises the baby face, the baby face is really over. Yeah. And, and Graves can do that. And Graves can go to those places, but still be objectionable and, and still root for the heel. And I think they're killing him. I think they're suffocating the best announcing talent that's come along in a decade Um, yeah Uh,
1: he's the only bit that annoys me is how and it's probably not just him it's probably a symptom of everybody and we've talked about it a bit with Booker there why does he why does he flip back I don't I don't see it as a positive he's a why does he flip back one minute he likes um, you know name a heel whatever the next he's just going on about how much he hates Elias Sampson Um, uh, to me I'm a traditionalist I'd like to have two guys in the booth like you said one heel colour guy one face play by play it's so simple and it adds so much to the presentation just to do it that way I don't think it should be a formula you mess with ever
0: I don't I have no issue with there being three as long as the three are complementary. I quite like the era in WWF in sort of around about 96 where you had Vince JR and King because Vince would kind of host the show. He would, yeah. he would, yeah. He would let JR call the matches, and then you had King for colour. You know, I, I don't mind that. That's fine. I, I've 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 seen reasonably decent three-man booths. Or you could have a, you could have a You could have two colour guys can can work okay if you've got the right sort of level of babyface and heel. Like I could imagine, if you took out Booker and replaced him with Nigel McGuinness, I think you, for example, I'm just saying that someone that they've got there. I think you could have a really nice booth there. Agreed. With those guys. And there's there's quite a few people in the company that I look at and think one day, I think they'll make good commentators. I think Kane would make a really good commentator. Do you think? Kane's got Kane's got a great voice. He's got a great voice, sounds good. Intelligent man. Um, you know, just you don't have to worry about what his character's been all those years. You just, well, eventually, when he retires, Kane will be a good, will co- co- be a color guy, good color guy. Miz will be a wonderful color guy.
1: Oh, Miz will be phenomenal.
0: Miz will be amazing hey this is a question for the sheep quiz (laughs) it should be hold that one in hold that one back at some point you can ask who would have the current WWE roster who would make an excellent colour commentator someday there's a question for you right mate we'll take that one to the bank make a note of that and bank it for future sheep quizzes indeed speaking of the sheep quiz we will talk about uh, the first Hooked on Wrestling sheep quiz which I think I would say is an unqualified success including the winner um, we'll come to that in, uh, <laughs> very very shortly uh, but uh, Paul, Survivor Series is uh, is right around the corner indeed it's only about uh, four weeks away uh, as we speak so um, do you want to update everyone and tell us uh, how you are um, how you are fixed for the Survivor Series yes
1: I will so as people know we're doing the Survivor Series parties. we did them on a small scale last year and we're doing it again this year um, we, don't make, we, don't, we don't normally do it. Obviously, it's a pay-per-view that's not quite as popular as the big three, but there's a huge gap between SummerSlam and Royal Rumble. Enough people have said, look, guys, are you doing Survivor Series for us to, to at least give it a shot on a bigger scale? So we're going to do seven. We'll do seven Survivor Series parties around the country, and the best part is they're either free or in the case of london massively cheaper than uh, than we normally do so the six uh, free parties that we're running are going to be in manchester leeds liverpool cardiff birmingham and nottingham they're going to be at the shooter sports bar's venues that we already do they're not going to be full parties we're not going to sort of, um have the host there in a the quiz it's going to be more like a traditional viewing event but you're uh, you can have your drinks offers on, you're gonna have all you guys there cheering on. It's gonna be a great night. I really hope you guys enjoy it and 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 thank you for looking coming with us for your other for our other three events. Um and hopefully a free one, a free party can can be that thing that we can be show our gratitude with. Um in London we couldn't quite make it free, unfortunately. There's a certain amount of logistics and costs that we just cannot get around. But we reduced the price. We reduced the price to £5 for early birds. Now, that price is going to end as of the 1st of November. We're going to be up to full price, which is only £7. So it's still a big discount on uh, on what we normally do. Um, you can get your tickets for that London party or at uh, ringsideworld.co.uk um, or hookedonevents.co.uk with the other parties, the free ones. You can just turn up on the night if you wish. We absolutely ask you to pre-book your ticket though simply so we know how many numbers we've got coming you know we know for a number of bar staff number of security everything else so we have an idea of how many are going to attend to do that it's a fiver to pre-book you do get that fiver back as a bar tab that you can use either on the night or on a future event Um, so it is zero cost but it would be a massive help to us if you could just do that, just like I say, so the bars can uh, understand what staffing levels they need. Um, and again, you can get those on uh, hookedonevents.co.uk um, or from ringsideworld.co.uk.
0: Fabulous stuff. Yeah, just think of this as a little bit of a uh, of an in your house version of the uh, of the pay per view, the parties that we run. So it should still be great fun. Listen, the 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 highlights of the night is getting to watch WWE pay-per-views on big screens or on multiple screens in a really convivial environment with your fellow fan. Now, We provide a platform for that but it's you guys that create the atmosphere, the party, etc. So regardless of what we, uh, we add to the night that's going to be your main event. What we also do on our, on our regular pay-per-view parties is all sorts of bells and whistles, quizzes, fancy dress, etc. Et so this one is going to be a little bit of a, a played-down version uh, of those kind of things but still will be fun we still want you to come along and enjoy. If you've not been before come along and sample the atmosphere for free or as Paul says for, for cheaper we, uh, we almost guarantee that you'll enjoy it and then when it comes to the Royal Rumble and we're back at our full presentation again you know we will whet your appetite and you'll come for the uh, for the, the real thing as it were uh, and we guarantee you'll have a good time because you just will because everybody does. Um, so uh, we, we won't go too much on the, uh, the hard sell this time but we, uh, we would really love you to come along and don't forget it really helps us massively if you can uh, go ahead and just uh, do that pre-booking thing that Paul says, and like you, you just, you're getting your money back. All you're just doing is if you if you come along to one of those um, shows normally and you pay your ticket and you sit in the corner not drinking, you know, come on, behave. So most people are going to come along at least have a couple of soft drinks or a pint of something, and yeah. so there's your fibre. So um, it covers you. You're not going to sit there for seven hours not drinking, so or you, at least you shouldn't. Um, anyway, uh, look forward to that. Make sure you get that booked up. So it's Ringside World. or hookedonevents.co.uk and failing that, if you need to ask us any questions about those sorts of things uh, you can find us on social media and those places Paul are Uh,
1: uh, facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling and twitter at HO underscore wrestling
0: there it is a little bit out of practice Um, (laughs) we'll get you right back into that when we get into Wrestlemania season do yes Um, right Uh, let's talk sheep Bah. In indeed the um <laughs> Yeah, let's have your let's have your sheep based wrestlers, everyone. Barry Horowitz. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> excellent stuff. Was will he ever
1: United States States champion?
0: Yay, <laughs> there you go. Okay, right. Shut up now. <laughs> right. Uh <laughs> will, oh, you missed do you nearly miss that, you see? Pay dude, more attention. will dude, I like that. Uh, excellent. <laughs> uh anyway, right, forget flock. that. Um Flocky over here the flock is good. Uh, yeah, well, the Ravens flock. There you go. End <laughs> of. That's the best. That's the best we're going to come up with. Excellent stuff. Um, <laughs> right. Back to. Uh, uh, are we good? Let's continue. Everybody ready? Um, right. So it was the the sheep quiz. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, we'll take you back to a few weeks ago. Um Paul introduced a new uh, new little competition uh, to the uh, the hooked on world, which we ran uh, broadly through Facebook. Um, I'd say, Paul pretty much a success wouldn't you i thought it
1: was cracking we had a good number of entrants just under 30 entrants altogether, um with some fantastic answers and i think it was a, a nicely run quiz that everyone who entered had a good time with so yeah yeah, yeah really pleased
0: in short um the nature of the sheep quiz is that uh, a question is asked give us a question give us a random question from the uh, from the 10 that we had paul random question
1: if um if David Boy Smith were to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame next year. Who would be the man who inducted him, or who would okay. induct him?
0: Okay, so there we are. So what you're doing as an entrant into the sheep quiz, you're not saying like they say, for example, you think it should be uh, the Warlord. Am I being crass? The Warlord still with us, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, good, that's good, excellent. Big faux pas there. If you think it should be the Warlord because he had a great series of matches with the Warlord in the in around about 1992 and um, you know you thought that's what really pushed Davy Boy to the top, then that's fine, if that's your opinion then that's cool. However, probably realistically you know that A, no one else is going to share your view and B, there's no way WWE would ever do that. So answering the Warlord in the Sheep Quiz is pretty foolish because you're going to be the only person that says it and you're only going to score one point. What you're trying to do is to get what the group, what the hive mind are going to say. So you might think the Warlord, you might think Shawn Michaels, you might think a few others. However, if you then think, actually, do you know what? Bret Hart's his brother-in-law, and Bret Hart had that iconic match with him at uh, at Wembley Stadium. He was on Bret's side at uh, at SummerSlam, you know, helping him out against Owen. You know, surely Bret's the guy. Was Bret the most popular answer, Paul?
1: Uh, He was, yeah, easily.
0: Yeah. So, and how many people said, oh, it doesn't matter, you might not have it to your hand, but... um, let's say 17 out of the other people said Brett and he was the most popular answer you would score 17 points for being one of those 17 and so on and so forth so you're trying to get into the mind uh of the uh, of the group and um do you just want to mention who uh, who did the best of uh, of all the entrants
1: yes i will tell you who did the best of all the entrants the best of all the entrants was one thomas broom jones uh Right, right. Um, who? Thomas Broom Jones, the winner of the sheep competition.
0: Oh, uh, big TBJ. Um, yeah, it was. Wasn't. Wasn't there someone else that uh, did did all right?
1: Um, I'm just looking at the results now, Rob. Uh, I can't really remember. Did you have to maybe remind me?
0: Yeah, um, a guy called um, McNichol. Oh. How did he get on?
1: No, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He came joint first, didn't he? I
0: came joint first, yeah. Which is, which is which is still first, okay. Um, on this, uh, we have given some examples of the sheep quiz on this podcast in the in the past. I am pitiful at it. Terrible, <laughs> rubbish. Never been any good. We put the first one up. Bang, nine out of ten correct. Me and me and uh, Thomas there, right up the top. So um. In fairness, it does seem only right that if we are naming a particular winner of this one, then I probably should stand aside. I think I said that on the podcast. A couple of weeks ago, but, uh, should I enter and win, then I'll stand aside. But I was a joint winner, so I'm uh, I'm ha- pride-wise, I'm very happy that no one yet has beaten me. Um, I think perhaps it should be a little bit the uh, I should be the par score, and if you know, people should be trying to beat me, and if uh, if they beat me, then they should be happy. Maybe that should be the uh, um, you know, the thing I'm sort of like the like games master, and they have to come on and uh, try and get past me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> whatever the whatever the, ca- whatever the case may be, um, what I really liked is we actually had a bit of a finals night, didn't we? We had a bit of a, a score reveal live on their uh, Facebook. We did, um, and uh, that was great fun. And I think about 25% of our entrants joined us, maybe a little bit more actually. All uh, joined us, and Paul did it like it was Eurovision went through all of the uh, the scores and stuff. It was great fun. So uh, if you'd like to join in with it, we want, we want to make this. It's not just a little quiz that you do and put to one side and don't think about and then three weeks later look at some answers for 14 seconds and then go, okay, whatever. We want to make this a bit of fun. We want to make it a bit of a discussion point, uh, you know, an argument point, if you like, um, but also something you can get involved with and get to know the fellow people that you're doing the quiz with um, and thereby getting to know them uh, you get to know the, the level of thinking and then you might, it might influence some of your answers. And then hopefully you'll join us for the uh, for the results giving and then we'll have some more fun that way. We want to try and create a bit more of a sense of a, a hooked-on community, I guess is what we're getting on, this, uh, isn't it, Paul? So um, like I would say good um, good success on number one, but we're not going to sit there and uh, rest on our laurels. So there's about 30 people joining this first one. I think minimum 40 for the second one. I think that would be the... Uh, the aim. I'd like to see some more people join in the game.
1: Absolutely. I think that sounds like a good benchmark.
0: So, um, when Paul is going to be the uh, the next Sheep Quiz? When are we going to start well, the next one?
1: I'm not going to give you an exact date, uh, frankly, because it depends on workloads and whatnot. Because I need a good amount. It does take a good amount of time to put these things together, especially the results. It's going Very to be. Point. It's going to be mid-November, probably around about Survivor Series, actually. Yeah,
0: so look, Survivor Series-ish will be.
1: The yeah, next one. Survivor Series-ish. So um, I'll nail down a time closer to the time, but you probably won't get much notice. It'll probably just say, "Right, guys, 24 hours' time. I'm going to pop the sheet quiz up." Um, but yeah, expect it round about sort of four to five weeks after.
0: Okay, so that, that's that's a good little space. So you've got a wee bit of time to um, um to uh, to get yourself into the mindset again. But what we thought we what we thought we'd do. Um, because we were nothing if not practical here on the, uh, the Hooked On podcast um, is to try and not only uh, set up the sheep quiz as, as a fun game but also for some talking points here on the podcast um, we're only going to do a couple today um, because there were ten questions you don't want to go through ten of them because me and Paul go on enough as it is about other menial topics that alone doing ten of these <laughs> but we're going to pick a couple today Paul's going to pick a couple at random not random but he can pick the ones he wants to do yeah, in just a second but then before next week's show um, what we'd like to do is put a, f- a couple more out there in terms of the um, uh, the topics and have you answer the question for real this time. So not just necessarily what you put um, as your sheep answer, um, but what you feel uh, as a genuine response to the question. And you don't have to be part of the sheep quiz uh, to join in with that. So at some point during the week on Facebook, we'll put a couple more of those questions back up for discussion. Discuss it to your heart's content on Facebook. Um, And then we'll have a little chat about it on the podcast. But uh, let's do a couple for today, Paul. Let's maybe not pick the um, absolute tippy-top questions. Okay. Um, But let's do a couple of um, ones that you and I can discuss in the short term and then put another maybe three up on the the website, on the Facebook before next week. Yeah,
1: good idea. Let's go with this one, this one I'm looking at now. Um, Simply put, uh, what do you think is the best money in the bank cashing of all time?
0: Okay, yeah, that's okay. That's a good one. Um, See, I went with um, Seth Rollins uh, at WrestleMania, which I think was the top answer, was it not?
1: It was indeed.
0: Do do you have the answers there? Before we discuss our own feelings, what what do you have there as answers? That's
1: a good idea. So we had 29 entrants. There's 29 possible points. Seth Rollins won this one in a landslide. 16 points he got. So uh, over half of the people said Rollins. The next most popular was less than half of that way less than half of that actually it was um it was edge uh and edge's first cash in um against john cena at new year's Re- Re- new year's revolution yeah. then you go down to dolph ziggler uh with four how points.
0: many, said edge? How many uh, said edge sorry
1: six sorry for edge six, okay four for dolph ziggler and then single points for damian sandow um surely a wind up uh dean ambrose and daniel bryan
0: to be fair, someone that might have been someone's favourite, the Sandow one, because it might have been the idea that uh, it's not always going to be successful. So I can understand people uh, saying it's their favourite. It's not a very good answer when it comes to the sheep quiz, because clearly you know, the likelihood of the majority of people all liking Sandow's lack of cash in, or failure to cash in properly, um, is, is unlikely to be the overall answer. So I don't think Rollins is necessarily my favourite. Um, but I, I, f- I figured it would be the one that people would go to, it's probably the most obvious one it's, it's recent, it was a mania, um, you know it was different, um, so there is that, my particular thing with the, um, the money in the bank uh, is twofold one is that uh, I think it's a little bit outplayed as a gimmick now but certainly I think it's been at it's best when a heel wins it you know, and carries it around as a threat for a little while And really, it's a really sort of plays up. So I think some of the better ones have have been people like Edge, um, Ziggler, you know, others that have had that, they've used it as a real um, enhancement to their character. A little bit like when, I don't think it's ever worked, but you know when they did King of the Ring and people would then become a king? Yeah. So you'd have like King Booker and, you know, Seamus did that strange sort of Celtic thing. Actually, Regal's was quite a good um, gimmick for a wee while when Regal won King of the Ring. But people have always on king of hearts of course people are always to make the king a sort of an, ad- an adornment even going back to you know King Haku and King Hatsaw and king harley race and, and whatever money in the bank I think was a better version of that in terms of being a I think it works best with a heel um who can carry it around and be um you know and threaten the uh the sneakiness of it what I've never liked is I've never liked baby faces cashing it in suddenly um every now and again there's there's a you can. I, I seem to remember did CM Punk cash in on Edge? Did,
1: yes. And it did. was a little
0: bit like you got Retribution there because Edge had been doing it on other people.
1: Yeah. His was the uh, first face cash in I believe.
0: Was it CM Punk's one was it? think so, yeah. Well, um, you know I wondered about when was I was trying to work out when Van Damme's was because what I liked about Van Damme's was that to me a, what a baby face should do It's say here's my briefcase I'm going to cash it in then whereas a heel would go I'm gonna do it now so a heel would be sneaky and wait till someone's down an honourable babyface such as RVD RVD said I'm cashing it in one night stand you know in my home territory sort of thing Hammerstein Ballroom ECW I'm cashing it in and obviously he won it was an edge interference on Cena and that kind of thing but it really made that pay-per-view. You know, the, the RVD versus Cena, title on the line. Um, but it was a babyface move to me to, okay, you're going to stack the deck your way. It's your kind of match and um, your kind of stipulation, your kind of environment. But I kind of liked that it was not just a sudden, I'm doing it now, but I'm going to give you some time to prepare and I'm going to beat you man to man. And I don't think that's happened nearly enough. Not by babyfaces. No. Agreed. Agreed it seems bonkers to, but do you remember when uh, Mr. Kennedy won it and he said I'm going to cash it in at Wrestlemania that's time. right yeah and I think he got injured and then they put it on Edge really quickly and, and Edge cashed it in and it was all done really suddenly but in fact I think that was the one where Edge won it on the Tuesday at the Smackdown taping and WWE actually trailed it on their website and said on tomorrow on Smackdown you can watch Edge win the title it? got taped last night and I was like whoa that was a strange thing to do but um, they used to do that all the time. They used to, they'd, whenever anyone won
1: anything significant on SmackDown, they'd spoiler it.
0: Okay, but that might have been the the first example of it, maybe. i just, it was. A, I remember it coming very suddenly that they sort of completely broke the barriers about SmackDown being on a yeah. Thursday and said, actually, it's Tuesday and it was taped. Anyone watching? Yeah,
1: it. it might have been the and, first. Uh, but, I remember they did it with uh, Great Carly winning a Battle Royal around that time, but I think that was later.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so uh, that's always been my big thing with the, the cash in so I would, if, I, if you were asking me if we were doing some sort of Mr and Mrs thing and you were trying to guess what I was to say rather than the, uh, the sheep quiz I think I probably would go with RVD I think I like that as, a, as okay. an overall concept and the right way of doing it what about you?
1: well I would have, I'm good at these sheep quizzes by the way I think I've mentioned that before I don't mind saying I normally can read the room quite well I'd have got this one wrong um i w- uh, i would have thought the winning one would have been edge's first cash in i thought that was generally considered to be the best uh, and in fact also it's the one i think is the best um i thought it was great in that we didn't see it coming it was it you'd almost been allowed to forget that this guy had this contract in his back pocket um or in the briefcase as it were um it'd been enough time that he'd kind of been allowed to just become part of his character but also when it happened it fit his character and arguably made it you know he became the ultimate opportunist and it's one of those rare things where the guy fits the moment but the moment also makes him bigger and better than he was Um, and for that reason I thought it was phenomenal I thought it was such a cool gimmick Um, don't get me wrong I thought the Seth Rollins one was was one you know if that was 1A Seth Rollins was 1B that was such a great moment and, and great to see that live um, at Wrestlemania 31 when we were in those, uh, we're in the party wasn't it when it all mm-hmm. kicked off that was just such a great atmosphere
0: um, but yeah I well, uh, I think we sort of worked it out didn't we I think during the match we sort of went oh um, we, could have, uh, we could have Rollins here but it was it was still an unbelievable moment when I he think, came
1: out I think you're right I think we did sort of speculate on it um, and I think one of I can't remember who it was. One of our groups had a lot. You know, it might be you, might have been me, might be somebody else. Said earlier in the night that the reason they thought Rollins Orton was on so early and Rollins lost was for that very reason. Yeah. Um, and so it became. So yeah, they're two really good, two really good examples. I also liked the RVD cash in, mate. I thought that was a very good one. Um, just thinking through, I, I like the Daniel Bryan one too. I like the fact that he was a face who became a heel during the cash in, even though he cashed it in on the big dudes. Um I'm just trying to think of some more now that that really uh, I, I wasn't as big of a fan of the Ziggler one as everybody else is. Maybe because I've never been that big a Ziggler fan, maybe because I'm looking at it through what's the opposite of rose tinted glasses, whatever you'd say. <laughs> i I just the prism of mediocrity of that is modern day Dolph Ziggler. Um
0: I think it was because I think it was because that was the first... Was that the first real time that everyone noticed the night after WrestleMania? It might be. It might like, be. As in, yeah. was that the same night as the fandango and? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I think that was the first time the night after WrestleMania was noted as a thing you know for years there'd been you know Mankind debuted night after Wrestlemania Batista came back after Wrestlemania you know Goldberg debuted after Wrestlemania you know for a long time the Monday Night Raw after Wrestlemania was a thing but that felt like it was the first night the crowd just totally went into business for themselves and did the fandangoing and you know and pop for Ziggler and there was was that when Brock came back or was that the year before good question it might uh, be the year before um... actually yeah, I can't honestly remember. But it was, you know, it was a very, it was that. I mean, I'm now kind of sick of that raw. But um I think it was maybe that its time on that particular night was, you know, that raw could almost get released as a DVD. You know, as a you know in the it has in the old, in I oh, did it really. Yeah, yeah.
1: they well, not that one. Sorry, they've released a raw after WrestleMania DVD.
0: Oh right, okay. Yeah. But yeah, it makes. I didn't know that, but it makes sense because the uh, it's become a thing of its own. So. Anyway, I can understand why people would say that one, um, but yeah, I've always had an issue with the, with, the, with the heel face nature of it unless it had the right context, and like you say, the context of the, the punk on edge one, and, you know the fact that it was edge getting
1: his comeuppance. It's come, up
0: know, and it's. It's come up and it was you know you get some of a taste of his own medicine was that I could sort of understand that one, but I think it puts a baby face champion on a weak footing. You that know, you've not beaten anyone yet.
1: Yeah, you're right. If, you,
0: if, you, if you're trying to get into a kayfabe thing, you want your champ to have beaten someone. And I actually think there's been too many heel champions over the last decade or so, and there's been too many money-in-the-bank cash-ins. And you when know, and, and you have an era which is so full of run-ins and dodgy finishes anyway, is that sometimes it's just nice to have X beats Y in a match. And I know it's all predetermined, and I know I probably shouldn't get so, quite so annoyed about it, but... You know sometimes it's just nice to watch a wrestler beat another wrestler for the title and deserve it um, and I think um possibly money in the bank I say it's run its race, but I certainly feel like it's nowhere near the thing that it used to be
1: no, absolutely not it's it it's very hard isn't it, with anything like this to keep pulling out new ways of having a twist on the old system same exactly the same as Royal Rumble. Um, you know it's very very difficult to keep going and finding out new and original ways of doing things and and we're facing that with money in the bank there's not seemingly that many more stories to tell hopefully they'll find some and it will keep this relevant but yeah it's uh, it's not certainly not got the shock value and the interest value it once once had
0: no well i think the next thing to do is you know i'm going to bang on about it but the next thing to do is have a baby face win it and the baby face say I'm going to catch it in next WrestleMania yeah. or I'm going to catch it in at SummerSlam or you know whatever it may be I am going to face the champ at SummerSlam you guys work out who it is until then or whatever and just have an honorable baby face cash in a shot that's what I'd like to see um you know just to that is a a fresh angle it hasn't been done for a long time so there are places to take it um if you want to um you want to take that route um or you could have someone that looks like he's going to be an honourable babyface that says exactly when he's going to cash it in and then suddenly goes, suddenly catches it in and turns heel in doing so. You know, There are ways of doing things. Um, in terms of the sheep aspect of this question, you talked about um, thinking you know, people would go with the Edge one um, as the original one. Perhaps if people really sat down and thought about it, they might do. But it's a little bit like if you do the um, The Hundred Greatest Singers tomorrow... If you did that poll tomorrow, you'd probably get—I don't know—Elvis number one, Frank Sinatra number two, Ed Sheeran number three.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Because because he's current, and you know, you know, you know, Nat King Cole would finish number 56, whereas Robbie Williams would be five. And it's like do you know, because there would be a, a present-day bias, and people that would vote would be young, and they wouldn't necessarily know your Dean Martins or whoever of the world. So therefore, they're going to vote for the people that they like right now. And I think you get a, a, a modern bias on all of these things, and even in the short, you know, relative time frame of, of Money in the Bank, you know, Edge doing that is what two thousand
1: and four. So yes.
0: So you're you, you're thirteen years ago. That's that's an eternity, isn't
1: Two thousand five. But yeah, sorry, yeah, you're 2005.
0: right. Two thousand five. Okay, well, cl- close enough, you know. So, um, that's a long time ago. So, you know, when it comes down to uh, to picking that one in particular um you know rollins was what 2 years ago 3 years ago and edges was 12 so you maybe just isn't in your mind as much as as rollins was so recent so maybe in a few years time that would even itself out or there'll be one that would be even more recent that you'd remember so once again i'm kind of getting into the mind of the the people that would be doing the quiz is that sometimes the uh, the the easy answer the one that comes to your brain first is the one that you end up going with
1: yeah you've certainly got a point to it um and the other thing is you know if you look at the people who played it I don't know the age profile of most of them but how old would they have been in 2005 like you say it was 12 years ago if these kids are in if these guys are in their 20s they might have been really young Rollins is Rollins is a obvious and great answer um I just didn't think it would be uh, win win out of edge. but there you go we can't all be right all the time can we we
0: can't indeed no one went um Cain? Did they doing the uh, cashing it on the same night?
1: No, nobody of, did.
0: And no one went for that one. There's been uh, there's been more than you care to realise, isn't it? When you start to really go back through them, and I think I had a little look at all of the uh, the money in the banks and just went, wow, I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one. And there really were a few. Yeah. Um, yep. Did uh, just going about what you said? Did anyone say Daniel Bryan? So Randy Orton cashing in on Daniel Bryan.
1: No, they didn't. But that was a very good one, actually, wasn't it? That
0: was a massive one. Yeah. People wouldn't have liked it. Well... Because they didn't want Daniel Bryan to lose the title. So, you know, does that become one that you're not so... Far- you could argue that's an incredibly effective one.
1: It was, it was a very good one, and it, it launched a hell of a lot in hindsight. But I think as a sheep contest, people would have definitely steered clear from it, because it's not... What people wanted to see, they wanted Brian with that title. So yeah, as a popularity contest, I would never have entertained putting that one. although it was, all it was an excellent cash in, in my opinion.
0: Indeed. Okay, let's do one more, um, and then we'll wrap it up for the uh, for the podcast this week. And like uh, like I said, we'll put, we'll put a few up on the um, on the Facebook for you to discuss, and then we'll we'll chat about them on the uh, on the next show. But um, give us one more, mate, uh, from a, a sort of slightly different sort of topic
1: okay let's go with the final question in the quiz let's go with um, what is the best ever Survivor Series match as in Survivor Series rules match
0: Ooh, very straightforward I, I struggled big time on this because as we've spoken about before on the podcast I'm not a Survivor Series fan mm. Um, it's never really been my issue I won't go over it all over again because we've talked about it on the show but um, to me there was the whole thing with Survivor Series was what's the consequence you win okay well done but they never seem to make it... in you know, other than winning on a match on pay-per-view. Is that why was winning a Survivor Series match with some people that you got thrown together with any more important than, you know, winning a, a job, a match on WWF Superstars? You know, that was always my issue. Um, it kind of remains so. They've tried to make it a Raw vs SmackDown thing to make it a, uh, um, you know, a bit of a yeah a colour, your pride of your wearing your colours and doing Ugh. it that way. So... Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sort of alright with it in some ways to make it you know I tell you I what I understand I understand what they try and do that except for the fact that people don't really have brand loyalty do they you're exactly, not a Raw fan
1: exactly let's let's talk about this next week as a point of conversation actually because it is one of my biggest pet peeves in all of WWE we're not going to get into it now because we want to wrap this up quite soon but let's make it a point of discussion tomorrow uh, sorry next week the ridiculousness of brand rivalry and trying to manufacture storylines out of it
0: Yeah, okay, agreed, because it's... um, I don't think we'll have an argument on that one, mate, but it'd be be a good uh, uh, discussion point. And uh, let's maybe put that out to people as well, and uh, see if there are some people out there that uh, um, are fond of the Raw v Smackdown thing. I I tend to think that they won't be. Um, Do you know what I honestly nearly said? right, and I would get thrown apart for saying this, I'm sure, but I actually really liked, and I probably shouldn't have, I liked the... Survivor Series match in, let me see, I think it would have been 1995, I think, which was where they mixed up the baby faces and the heels.
1: Oh, the wild card match. Yeah, it was 95, yeah. The wild
0: yeah. card. I, I kind of liked that. I liked the dynamic. I wouldn't do that all the time, Well, every match, because it would be quite, quite confusing. But I quite liked the dynamic of having... So, let me see. I think it was Sean, Ahmed Johnson, British Bulldog and Sid, was it? Uh,
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. That's exactly Uh, right. uh,
0: Against maybe Owen, Yoko.
1: Oh, go on. You're nearly there.
0: Dean, Douglas and Razor?
1: Correct.
0: Yeah. So, um... You had little, little feuds in, in between. You had the proper tag team of Owen and Yoko. You had the feud that was going on between Douglas and Razor. You had the history of Razor and Sean. You had, um, you know, Cornette being on both sides. I, I found that a lot of fun. Um, now, you could argue that it's, you know, very harmful when it comes to the who what side are you cheering for. And I get that because that's part of the problem with your Raw v Smackdown thing is that There'll be heels and baby faces on both sides it's hard to cheer for a team over the other team so I get that it's a problem but if you're actually asking me just ones that just came to my mind um you know in that sort of early you know survivor series era because I think the era has, has totally changed as time's gone on um but that would have been something that would really have, uh, have jumped into my mind what was uh, what would have been your clear answer or was it, indeed maybe we should actually talk about what the, what the answers were given in the in the sheet quiz?
1: I was going to say, I'll run those through first. The winner was in fact as you know, the one that you put, it was the 2001 um, Survivor Series match that culminated uh, the invasion angle so mm-hmm. Steve Austin, Shane McMahon Kurt Angle, Booker T, And Rob Van Dam against The Rock, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, Kane, and Big Show. Um, Got fourteen.
0: So that that big WCW invasion in which one WCW wrestler. (laughs) Yep, that's the one. Um,
1: Yeah, got fourteen out of the twenty-nine, so just shy of half. Um, And then four points to the Survivor Series 2003 match that was Team Austin against team bischoff i'll come back to that a because that's what i put and again b because that's the one that would get my vote as the best of all time and it's not even close um you got three points if you went with last year's main event the raw versus smackdown match that was aj styles bray wyatt dean ambrose randy orton and shane again against braun Strowman, chris jericho kevin owens roman reigns and seth rollins another three points if you went team cena against team authority in 2014 that was the one where sting came out and gave Dolph ziggler the assist man was that only three years ago that Dolph ziggler was the sole survivor in a match like that behave um two points for um orton benoit jericho and maven against triple h edge batista and snitsky in 2004 you talk about consequences again rob that was the one where the winning team got to be gm's of Raw for a week each for the next four weeks. I like that. Yeah? I like yeah. that and
0: I remember that. We talked about that on the podcast yeah, a couple yeah, of years ago. That was one I actually remembered. It
1: was pretty cool. Um, someone, well, not just someone, DJ Stevie Cox um, randomly went with the main event of the Survivors News 93, the Foreign Fanatics against the All-Americans and what I'll say about that is Stevie's so wrong but I do miss a time when teams got proper names. Like, Yes. Forget agreed. forget this team Orton and team Angle and team Lesnar nonsense. Let's have proper names, shall we? Let's maybe that's another one we could talk about in the run up to Survivor Series. Rob, maybe we could talk about the best Survivor Series team names of all time. Yes, love it. Yeah, love let's it. do it. And uh, anyone that can beat the Visionaries is on to something there, I think. Um, then we got one point each. Also for the the first one was the Survivor Series 1987 um, opener. So it's the first ever Survivor Series match. Which, look at this one, actually, right? So, the heels were not an entire home bout. We've got Dangerous Danny Davis, Harley Race, Hercules, the Honky Tonk Man, and Outlaw Ron Bass. A couple of highlights, not bad, but the face team. In 1987, you had Bruce the Barber Beefcake, Jake the Snake Roberts, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I ain't a bad team for 1987, is it,
0: eh? Over as Rover. Over. Do you know
1: what I mean? Absolutely. That's not-
0: it's not even, uh, you know, that you might say, oh, what, what um, Brutus Beefcake. Brutus Beefcake was over, man, in the late 80s. People loved
1: Brutus. Big time. Big time. Um, same with Hacksaw. Um, and then rounded out with one point was another very good match. It was the 1989 20-man Survivor Series match where it saw the Powers of Pain, the Rockers, the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, and the Young Stallions against Demolition, the Brain Busters, the Bolsheviks or the Bolsheviks sorry the fabulous Rujos and Los Conquistadores famous for the powers of pain and demolition double turn that one um so yeah so there were some really good answers um I want to talk about Survivor Series 2003 uh and the team Austin versus team four, do- four doinks let's, say four let's doinks. not go there oh. just yet um but Team Austin if if one remembers was Shawn Michaels Booker T the Dudley Boys and Rob Van Dam and Team Bischoff was Randy Orton Chris Jericho Christian Scott Steiner and Mark Henry and the story at the time was Bischoff and Austin were co-GMs of Raw and the winning uh, team oh, sorry the losing team in this match uh, their guy would have to step down and leave WWE and leave his position as general manager I loved it I thought the the match itself was absolutely fantastically worked Had consequences, which I fully agree makes things so much better just naturally. The Shawn Michaels performance in this was genuinely one of his best. And I love the story of the fact that Austin was one of his greatest rivals. And the story going in was, will Shawn Michaels really care? Will he want to stand up for Team Austin? Will he want to stand up for Stone Cold's job? And he gave it everything. He bled. He held on his to the very end before he got screwed by Batista and Randy Orton and he absolutely put his life on the line for Austin and then the most poetic part of it was Steve Austin whose mantra was don't trust anyone had to place his trust in these five guys for his career and then when they ultimately did let him down because they lost he still embraced Shawn Michaels anyway what a great ending eh what a fantastic piece of storytelling and a fantastic match i'm so shocked so shocked with the, with the money in the bank thing i can see i was wrong but i can see why it was um why i was wrong with this one i am so shocked This only got four points couldn't believe it um yeah i, I just think it's far and away the best Survivor series match of all time
0: well, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, that was very, I like it when uh, you're nice and passionate about your belief in a, uh, a particular match. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't really remember it. Honestly, <laughs> oh, like, don't really, don't really remember that at all. Oh, maybe that explains um, it then. Um, maybe I'm going to have to go back and watch it. But, but it's probably because if you're not so caring about a particular subject and it just goes into the back of your mind, then I actually find it much, much more difficult to remember matches from the last, you know, six to ten years and I do the you know the tw- twenty years before it. It's like it's weird how things go into your brain and that's just not something I necessarily um uh I I get on. Um I did want to mention one other thing just before we go on to talk about it on a on a future um podcast because I I think it will go out of my mind. Was um do you remember there was a a Survivor series I want to say it was about ninety one? Maybe ninety. Mm-hmm where you had a team that was full of warriors.
1: Yes, it was 1990, it was the Ultimate Warrior, the... Um, well, but,
0: but what I... What go on, yeah.
1: Yeah, Ultimate Warrior, Texas Twilight and Legion of Doom. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yes, exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. But, yeah. but only one of those was a warrior in WWE, or WWF at the time. But it was a little nod to the fact that the Legion of Doom were the road warriors. Yep. In, in N.W.A. and indeed, I believe that uh, Kerry Von Erich went under the name of the uh, the Modern Day Warrior when he was in so the he, Class. So, so he did, yeah. So it was. I li- I liked that. That that was a little, a little, even back in 1990, a little nod to the people that, you know, know what's going on outside of, the little W.W.F. bubble. Um. So that was uh, one thing I just wanted to bring up while I, while I remember it. Um. I think it's worth also talking next week about. Um. If we do that about the team names, there's also the the history of Survivor Series in terms of how it's gone in and out of favour um, in terms of being a, a big show. Now, if we're talking right now, if Raw and SmackDown are involved on it, almost by definition, it's one of WWE's bigger shows. I know. Um, so, therefore, it's kind of back in favour. I think it disappeared for a couple of years, did it not? Um, and in the old days, it used to just be sort of Survivor Series matches. Um, then you had some pay-per-views where you had, for example... The uh the year where it was Hogan versus Undertaker for the title was a title match in in amongst all the uh elimination matches, but it wasn't the main event. Nope. It was in the it was in the middle of the card. <laughs> no um, the main event was uh I don't remember what the main event was, was but it was
1: It was the natural disasters and IRS against the Legion of Doom and the Big Boss Man.
0: Well there you go. That's not it's a different sort of build up, isn't it? Um so that was a quote unquote the main event. It was the last match of the night anyway. And then you have you talked earlier on about that match which was um Razor and Flair versus Warrior and uh, Savage, which became perfect in Savage. Um, as I recall, that's the, that must be the same year as Bret and Shawn. Yes, indeed. Brett, yep. And Sean was the IC champion. I think there was only, I think there was probably only one Survivor Series match in that show.
1: It was. Yeah. Ma- so. Maybe
0: two. The, but it, was it was basically one. a. Sh- because I'm trying to think, what else was there. I think? Taker Kamala was on that show.
1: Bossman nails um, Boss Man the model nails, against right. Tatanka. Um, yes, of course. The Survivor Series match you're thinking of was um, the Natural Disasters and the Nasty Boys yeah, against it was... Money Inc and the Beverly Brothers. We yeah, also... it was just
0: tag teams, wasn't it? It was basically just an eight-man tag.
1: Yeah. We also know, had
0: the eliminations, but it was it was an eight just an eight-man tag on on a card really. So and
1: then the card was um, rounded out just because I'm on a roll and I remember it by the Head Shrinkers against High Energy in the opening match. And Yokozuna making his pay-per-view debut against... Can you remember? Virgil? Correct.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I mean, that was just a... That sounds like a dreadful card now, doesn't it? Oh, it wasn't um, brilliant, but I, I've got a soft spot for it. In well, fact, uh, we will when we start talking asked, about Because you were ten. <laughs> <a> True.
1: <trip. laughs> we'll have to do another one on best and worst Survivor Series of all time.
0: Yeah, let's do that. All these things that we can do in the next uh, few weeks in the uh, in in the run-up. But... um uh bringing it back to the topic in hand back to the uh, the sheep quiz i uh, hopefully you've you've seen over the uh the last few weeks when Paul and I have been talking about some uh previous examples of the quizzes and now we're delving a little bit more into uh the one that we've done here and um, you're sort of just seeing how it works so if you're someone that sort of stood off and uh, didn't join in the first time round, please do this time because it'll be uh be loads of fun for you uh it's totally free there's no entrance fee anything like that we're not asking you to uh uh, to put a bet on or lay down your life—it's just uh, just for a bit of a bit of a giggle. And if you've got people that aren't listening to the podcast or aren't hooked on goers, bring them over to our social media and get them involved in themselves. And so. we're not expecting this to take off like fantasy football—you own have your have your own mini leagues by February. But you know, you know, by all means, bring other people in and and get them entered and just have some fun with it because if nothing else it's fun to beat your mates at a, a competition if uh, if not 30 other people that you don't know so um, get everyone involved uh, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun I, I anticipate this growing and growing and I can see us having a, a one year anniversary next year when we're up to about 500 people doing ah. it and uh, the, uh, the amount of uh, hard work that you'll be doing will be immense and I'll just be laughing at you from the, uh, the other <laughs> end of the phone
1: yeah um, ok
0: but there's, uh, there's all sorts of good stuff in there in terms of um questions, who would you induct into a Hall of Fame what was the best match of so and so's what's the best gimmick of this person would you do this yes or no Um, there are all those sorts of questions, they're hypotheticals there's no correct answers other than trying to get what other people have said and next time on the podcast we'll um, discuss another two or three that um, that Paul will put out there beforehand and then we'll talk about on the podcast Uh, some some lovely topic fodder, Uh, as Paul says we'll also do some other Survivor Series topics next time and we'll see what's going on in the uh, in the world of wrestling if there's any big news that we need to discuss. Uh, but for today, I think we're done. Anything to add, Mr. Paul Benson?
1: No, just want to say thank you for nursing me through this one, Rob. Don't know if anyone can tell, but I am running on absolute fumes after the week I've had.
0: Um, well, go on, OK, I'll, I'll buy it. No, okay, no, 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 no. I'll buy it. Showbiz <laughs> Paul Benson, where have you been this week? I've spent the uh, spent the
1: first part of this week in Monte Carlo. Carlo <laughs> but that was not what I was. It's 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 a three-day conference. It's I'm not. It's, it's it's extremely glamorous. But yes, there's a long, a lot of long hours, 20 meetings plus per day, and yeah, lots of late nights with lots of drinking. um Not trying to claim it's a big burden or a hardship, but I am absolutely white out didn't go until 1.30 last night my train my first my flight was uh delayed by five and a half hours and then my train back from london to leeds was cancelled so it was rather a long day so thank you rob for pulling me through this one mate i've not been at my best you've pulled me up by my bootstraps and made something that sounds half decent so good lad
0: do you like shinsuke nakamura's entrance theme
1: <laughs> only if the violins are a bit smaller than the ones they tend to use
0: world's smallest violin getting played for you right now do you know actually at one point last week, when I saw Paul up in Yorkshire last week we actually had a discussion about whether or not we rec- we could record on Sunday night we could do we could do it from I, I could be in Monaco and you could be in Devon and I was like yeah okay fine we'll wait till Thursday it's not a problem <laughs> <laughs> so anyway anyway thank you Uh, SPB for your uh, little uh, entry there we have to keep up your um, Chobiz title if only to wrench it back off your son you're welcome Um, Trevor Danger that's okay and then you've just ruined my sign off so from (laughs) from 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 showbiz Paul Benson and from me Trevor Danger uh, just remember folks it's wrestling enjoy it we'll see you very soon